spiritual but not religious. As you can tell from the title of this episode, there's an LOL at the end because personally, I can't hear someone say this about themselves and not laugh. I laugh because it's a silly idea to be spiritual but not religious. By the way, I've heard both Christians and non-Christians make this claim. It mostly comes from the non-religious folks, but for some odd reason, some Christians like to think this way too. And I'll explain that as well as we go on. So before I shred this idea into pieces, I'm going to first go through how the church defines what it means to be spiritual and then define how the secular world defines what it means to be spiritual. In the Catechism of the Catholic Church, uh, it tells us what it means to be spiritual in paragraphs 2013 through 2016. They're pretty long and wordy, so I'm not going to quote them in full, but I'll summarize them for you as best as I can. But I do urge you to read them on your own when you get a chance. You can even pause right now and go read them before moving forward if you'd like. Unless, of course, you're driving. Please don't. Hands on 10 and 2 and keep your eyes on the road. Okay, so in short, the CCC describes Christian spirituality as a type of Christian perfection, a way to express the living out of a Christian life with some intensity. To quote some of the statements uh, from the paragraphs, uh, it starts off by saying, all Christians in any state or walk of life are called to the fullness of Christian life and the perfection of charity, and that spiritual progress tends towards ever more intimate union with Christ. And it goes on to say that the way of perfection passes by the way of the cross. There is no holiness without reunication and the spiritual battle. Spiritual progress entails discipline and mortification that gradually leads us to living in the peace and joy of the Beatitudes. So the best way we can understand spirituality from a Christian sense is to say that it's a way of living out our faith in imitation of Christ, who is our highest role model. And we can also see that the saints represented uh, the spirit of Christ in their own culture and time in such a way that we see Christ living in them. Spirituality moves us away from the physical world and orients our soul towards, well, the spiritual world, the, the spirit of God, specifically towards Christ so that we can be perfected in him. Now, the way the secular world defines spirituality, surprisingly, is pretty similar. When someone says that they're spiritual but not religious, they often mean that they don't practice uh, any type of um, religion, any specific religion, but they do recognize that there is more to the world than just the physical aspect, that there is a spiritual dimension. But unfortunately, this is where they get it completely wrong. They often orient their spirit towards the wrong spirit. Now, of course, there are other spirits out there that are not of God, and they're very real. And I know it's cool and comforting to think that evil spirits don't exist, like tarot cards and witchcrafts and voodoo and black magic and all these things are just made up, stuff that you only see in movie and TVs. Now it goes without saying, they're exaggerated on screen for theatrical purposes, but they are real. Some of these spirits are outright evil, and they don't even hide the fact that they're evil. And some spirits make it seem like they're peaceful and harmless, but they steer us away from the truth. And they take us away from Christ. And you know the whole, no one comes to the Father except through me, makes it really hard for anyone to get into heaven if they're practicing the wrong type of spiritual life. The complete absence of God from anything, by definition, is evil. And let's not be naive, people tap into evil spirits daily, sometimes without even knowing it. Now keep in mind what I said. On TV, the spirits are exaggerated. So when I say people tap into evil spirits, don't think like they're casting a black magic spell by mistake that makes the day go dark with thunderstorms and whirlwinds or that they accidentally get possessed by the devil and they turn into a green goblin and start shooting lasers out of their eyeballs. It's not like that. And I'm not going to talk about demonology and possession. Um, that's a whole different animal. But just know that exorcism is still being practiced today, not to scare you. I do encourage you, though, to go... Um, to go read up on this stuff if you have a stomach for it. Read up on demonology and exorcism, especially if you don't believe that evil spirits are real. I really don't want to go into this rabbit hole in this episode, so I'll just kind of bring it back to the topic. It seems like religion and spirituality at one point were two peas in a pod. 
But as the culture shifted to become more individualistic uh, with a I want to do whatever I want attitude, the let's stare down the system and give everyone their own individual liberty and do whatever they want mentality, the more that that happens, the more religion and spirituality become separated. It's unfortunate because the spiritual practice became detached from public practice of Christianity and it became more of a private experience of the God within, either the God of the universe or whatever silly idea like energy and chakras or whatever. Either way, the people who say that they're spiritual but not religious, they're not interested in a formal religion institution. They themselves become their own religion institution. They'll tell you that they're open-minded about other religions and that they believe there is um, you know, something out there, but they don't really care about any doctrines, rules, commandments, rituals, nah. They just practice their own spirituality in their own way, whatever they're comfortable with. And the funny thing is, they don't know that they're actually practicing their own form of religion, even though they say that they're not religious. And in my opinion, the worst type of spiritual but not religious, um, they're the groups that believe in chakras. <laughs> man, oh man. Let me tell you if you don't know. Uh, so there are some people out there who believe that our bodies have an energetic system called chakra that runs up the spine, pretty much from your butt crack up to your head. And there are seven chakras. I'm not going to read the names because they're funny and I don't know how to pronounce some of them anyway. But in order to be the best version of ourselves, we need to unblock them, quote unquote, by doing yoga poses and meditation and, oh, and, and some essential oils, I guess. <laughs> you can't forget about essential oils. So as I was trying to understand chakras, I came across a lady by the name of Diane Malaspina. Sure, Diane Malaspina. Um, and she explains this really well. Now, Diane has a PhD in... <laughs> Sorry, this is silly. She has a PhD in yoga medicine. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that was hilarious. A PhD in yoga medicine. But anyway, she says she prefers to think of chakras as out of balance and not blocked. So, you know, your chakras are just out of balance. They're not blocked, you know. Um, I'm going to read some quotes she said in some interview. She's like, there can be a depletion of energy flow or too much energetic activity in a chakra. Each will manifest into its own different outcome, this doctor of yoga explained. Uh, but she goes on and she says... When a chakra is low in energy, you'll have difficulty expressing the particular qualities associated with that chakra. When a chakra is overactive, the qualities are dominant force in a person's life. This can have both physical and emotional effects. For example, the first chakra is about security, survival, and the foundation of our life. If it's underactive, it can show up as depression and insecurity. If there's too much energy... It can show up as fearlessness without precaution or hoarding because you need more to feel secure. Do you, do you see why this is laughable? It's freaking hilarious. Just listen to the things that they say because obviously I don't think they hear themselves saying it. The funny thing is they'll criticize Christianity for sounding absurd while they'll say things like that. Or they'll start mocking your religion and they'll say something like, Oh, you're, you're a Catholic? Why do you waste your time on this unintelligent superstitious crap based on ancient myths? Now, if you'll excuse me, I have to go unblock my chakras because my mercury is in retrograde and I have to head over to my yoga class for deep spiritual meditation to increase my good energy and flow because, you know, I got to get connected to the earth and karma will repay me for my good deeds. Yeah, Catholics are the ones that sound ridiculous, right? I mean, we laugh and we laugh, but here's the sad part. A lot of Catholics, and some of them are our own family members, they believe in some type of superstition or odd ritual to get rid of, you know, quote-unquote evil spirits. How many of you listening have at one point or another, or even currently now, in your home, have that blue evil eye? You know exactly which one I'm talking about. That thing that you're supposed to hang in your house somewhere to repel evil spirits. I don't know, it's like a spiritual buck spray. 
it's ridiculous. This is the things that some of our people believe in. They believe in bad luck. They believe in this energy and they want to put something or do something that is outside of God, outside of Christianity, outside of scripture to get rid of these evil spirits instead of just looking at God, you know, the creator of the universe, to get rid of these spirits for them. Instead of praying and meditating on God, we start using, I don't know, medallions and statues and pictures and God knows what. I mean, I've seen ridiculous things, not just the blue evil eye. I've seen someone put a full head of garlic inside of a sock and pin it over the entrance of the house. I'm not kidding. And when I asked them what it is, they said it's supposed to keep the envy of people away from the home. I mean, I don't know, maybe perhaps it's keeping Dracula away from their house. Or I've seen a bowl of nine lemons to bring good luck and prosperity. Not eight, not ten. It's got to be nine. And you suckers thought it was seven that was the lucky number. There are a ton of other superstitious stuff and rituals out there, and I'm sure you've seen them with our own family members and friends. And they all go against the first commandment of you shall have no other gods before me. Because we're putting our trust in something or some other spirit to ward off evil when we should be tuning into, I don't know, the most powerful being who created everything that ever existed and asking for help? How about we turn our prayers to God instead of garlic and lemons? It's laughable when you think about it. But here's the thing. It's very individualistic. It's very self-centered to think that way, to be spiritual but not religious. That's why it's so catchy and persuasive. It plays on our selfish desires to be free and do whatever we want and however we want it without any rules or boundaries. And because we live in a more liberal, progressive culture, it's very acceptable to be spiritual, but it's not so acceptable to be religious. For most people, religion stands for um, an institution or an organization that's full of power and corruption. But when you're spiritual... It still captures the idea of, you know, holy and transcendent. There's a clear access to God without all this formal churchy mumbo-jumbo. And this anti-religious attitude is being encouraged in our secularized culture. In our schools, on our TV, in the news, on social media, everywhere. Religious symbols in public are constantly being targeted. Church teachings that go against popular trends, they can't be freely voiced without being labeled as hate speech or being canceled, you know, because God forbid you criticize the LGBT community. The secular world dislikes the church teachings and criticizes it so much that, sadly, even a lot of believers join in on the bashing of the church. We all know a lot of so many called Catholics who stand with the sexualization of the culture, they stand with the pro-abortion movement, and they criticize the Catholic church for not being inclusive enough. So of course it's easier to claim to be spiritual but not religious, because it makes life less controversial. Once the individual breaks that connection from the church, they don't have to face society's criticism of the church anymore. It's very cowardly because it affirms their desire for good and the divine, but it absolves them from any community form of faith or worship. It frees them to do their own thing without being criticized. The term not religious is just another way of saying that faith is something between me and God. There's no sense of community. Love your neighbor goes from helping them keep God's commandments to just leaving them alone to do whatever the heck they want and it's none of my business. It's so much easier to dismiss religion as this, you know, dry dogmas and old, out-of-touch rules. It's more comfortable to make my own rules and have my own truth and live my own experience with God. No one can tell me that I'm practicing my religion the wrong way because I don't have a religion. But we need religion just as much as we need spirituality. St. Augustine taught that the word religion comes from a Latin term that translates to reconnect. Catholicism as a religion reconnects us to God. The way it does it is not according to our will and our preference, but according to God's will, God's truth, the way he revealed it in Christ through the church. But at the end of the day, being spiritual and being religious are both part of being in a relationship with God. Neither can be fulfilled without the other. 
Religion without spirituality becomes just a list of rules detached from life in the spirit. And that's what Jesus was warning against. And spirituality without religion can become a self-centered satisfaction, completely detached from the world. And that's what St. Paul and the Church Fathers were warning against. So brothers and sisters, don't let anybody fool you and tell you that spiritual but not religious is a good thing. It's not. You need both and you need them equally. You can't have one without the other. Spirituality lets us meditate on God and focus on our energy on God, where religion helps us find God and helps us always reconnect with God, um, especially through the sacraments. And this is the thing in our life. We're always searching for the truth. We're always searching for something better. And who better than Christ? St. Augustine puts it the best. You have made us for yourself, and our heart is restless until it rests in you. Amen. Now that brings me to the end of the episode. Thank you so much for your continued support. Please keep me in your prayers as I keep you in mine. And please don't forget to share this episode with your family and friends. And I would appreciate it if you give this podcast a rating. It helps others find it in their recommendations. Also, don't forget to check out the other ECRC shows. We have The Catholic Avengers by Jeff and Pilar and The Right to be Catholic by Sean A.R., who I pray gets all his chakras blocked. I doubt he can do any yoga poses anyway to unblock them. Anyway, I love you all. God bless you all. And be salty. <laughs>